Welcome, my friends. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Wednesday, May 3rd. We are here live. It's time for Destination Health. We've got a special episode today. We are wrapping up our mini-series on ketone testing and keto diets and We're doing something a little different today for this mini-series. So we released our first two parts. It's been on the app for a while now, so we allowed you to listen to that. We know we always get a lot of questions about this topic, so we decided the third episode of the mini-series would be your calls and questions. So line them up. Um, That's what we're here for today. If you have any questions whatsoever about a ketogenic diet, ketone testing, uh, we've got Keto Mojo here to help us out. Dorian and Jessica are back. Uh, is Lauren joining us today, Angie? I'm not sure. Um, I am going to bring in the guest, and we'll just uh, we'll just get started on things. Uh, that line looks like oh, I should have refreshed. Everybody's here. Okay, let's uh, let's bring in Jessica. Jessica, good morning. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Well, great to have you here. Are uh, you excited about wrapping up this mini-series? I'm very excited, and I'm looking forward to hearing some of the questions that your listeners have for us. Yeah, this is one of those topics. We get a lot of questions, ketone testing especially. People get really confused about it. So uh, we're here. We've got phone lines open. We've got... uh, Four of us here to answer your questions, so jump in and join us. 855-950-3835. Jessica, other than ketones, anything new and exciting in your world this week? In my world this week, not too much, but next week I actually am getting ready to deliver my second baby, so that's pretty exciting. That's big news. Congratulations. (laughs) Thank you. Very interesting. You know, one of the things I'm really looking forward to, this this whole health movement, you know, keto and paleo and carnivore, about a decade old now. I know there are some people that have been doing it quite a bit longer, but it took off just about the time we got involved and a lot of other practitioners did. And one of the things we're seeing now, those practitioners having children and then those children being raised with food properly. That's exciting. It sure is. I I am I love being able to share my joy and love of food with my, my first daughter and looking forward to the future with my second. So absolutely. Yeah. Very exciting. All right. Let's uh, let's continue on here. Dorian, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Doing wonderful. What's uh, what's new and exciting in your world this week? I'm I'm pretty sure you can't talk, uh, Jessica, but give it a shot. <laughs> there is no way I'm going to talk. But Jessica's first of all, I'm male, so there we go. There's definitely that aspect, um, with that aspect uh, to it. Well, we're you know we're getting excited. Um, we're going to be in Europe. Uh, by the, at the end of this month, we have five conferences in six weeks. Wow, that's uh, in Europe too. That's uh, that's a big deal. That's a lot of work. 
Yeah, well, Europe's, uh, I would say, five years at least behind America in the development and use of ketogenic um, diets. Um, so there's work to be done there to try and get the information out from many people. That's interesting. That was going to be my next question, by the way, after I heard you were going to be there. Um, where are they in relationship to us on this and about five years behind? Wow. I would say yes. Yeah. I mean, here in America, we've already got clearly defined the use of a ketogenic diet to reverse uh, type 2 diabetes. We've seen that the American Diabetic Association recently put out a paper on the benefits of a very low carbohydrate and carbohydrate restriction as a therapeutic choice for type 2 diabetes. So we've had some leading, leading organizations get, yet we're not seeing that yet in the European Union. Um, they obviously uh, will have to do their own work to, to showcase why the efficacy of it. And I think that's why we go and look and try and try and, and speaking at each of these conferences, the goal is how do we move to, um, uh, the ball down the pitch, so to speak. Uh, it's going to be, be the challenge. Got it. I, I'm not sure if you're familiar with this or not. How about Australia? I, it seems like I've always seen a lot of keto material coming out of Australia. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the Australian stuff was um, done by the, the Fet Keys. Uh, I think they're down in Tasmania. And, you know, it's a smaller population. Um, they're fairly healthy, uh, healthier living um, on the coastal region that we there. And what, you know, what I think will be very interesting is we will see a small single payer system. I think will be the first one that will change because uh, if you look at the taxation and the cost of healthcare uh, in uh, in not only the United States but in across the EU and other countries, the burden of non-communicable diseases is massive. And by realizing that you could reduce that burden and therefore reduce your cost, um, could then make it that um, your healthcare system be better. And I think it's better, you know, at the moment in America, people are incentivized for sick care, not health care and preventative care. And I think that's the challenge that we need to, to get through is to kind of like change that paradigm uh, and look into the health care aspect so it just to be health You know, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Unfortunately, it seems like we're going in the wrong direction on this. I don't know if we touched on this topic. We probably did. Um, the idea of all the diabetic drugs now being used and even approved by the FDA for weight loss. I think they're approved for kids all the way down to 13. Uh, and, and they keep, there's a new one just being approved now, more powerful than the others on the market. I, I, this is a huge mistake. I, I can't imagine, you know, 10 years from now what we're going to think about this when we look back. Because they, they seem to be doubling down on this whole idea. Oh, you're absolutely right. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pass the ball over to Jess on this one because she actually did. We have a, always a topic of the week on our weekly meetings, and Jess comes up and shows what the latest and greatest and what's happening in, in the ketogenic healthcare space. So we went through the whole oh, 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 thing. So, Jess, I'm going to put that over to you because you, you had some great information on that. Yeah, you know, it, it, I agree with you, Kevin. It, it's scary. And, and actually, Dr. Ludwig, um, David Ludwig, just put up a, a paper 
talking about the biological effects of the new GLP-1 drugs that resemble a low-carbohydrate diet. So it's really interesting publication. Um, it, it just, it's concerning to me that we are going so far in the direction of drugs and bariatric surgery versus fixing the root problem, which is our diet. And I, yeah, I, I'm not looking forward to seeing what happens in 10 plus years. You know, I just, when you mentioned about the, uh, sorry, you mentioned about the Ozempic folks and the protein uh, muscle loss. Yeah. Can you cover a little bit on that? Yeah, so so one of the things about Ozempic and those type of medications is that the 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 loss of weight that they that most of the people who take these medications lose is protein loss and like lean protein mass versus actual fat mass. And so if you look up Ozempic face, what you'll see is a lot of these people who have lost a significant amount of weight in a short period of time while utilizing these drugs, that their faces look kind of like hollowed in. And that is what is really concerning is about the the lean protein loss, especially for those who are at a higher risk for sarcopenia, like later down the, later down the line, it takes a long time to repair that lean muscle mass than it you know, when we really want to be losing the fat mass. You know, you're talking about going to conferences. Um, One of the things I noticed early on going to the more natural, holistic health conferences, I started realizing that people looked healthy. They looked human. They looked lean, but strong and fit, not gaunt. Um, and I think that's a, a huge difference. And it's interesting when you're around people that have been eating this way a long time, their skin looks better, their eyes look better, their hair, you just start to realize they look better. And and that's not going to happen if you lose weight with these drugs. And honestly, I look at the statistics, you know, they talk about people losing 30 or 35 pounds, big deal. My God, that's so easy right. today to lose 30 or 35 pounds. We have people that lose 200, you know, once you start eating right. So it's, I look at the results and think, you got to be kidding me. You're willing to take this risk and put these toxic drugs into your body to lose 30 or 40 pounds, knowing that if you stop, it's all coming back. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly and right. Much, and how much have you spent how much is it? How much is it? Hey, a two week course? It's like over a thousand dollars a month, yeah. I believe, for some of these medications. So you've got thousand dollars a month to spend on a medication. I think I would much prefer have a wonderful, holistically regenerative, grass-fed um, steak with a beautiful Bernay store over injecting myself into my body. Uh, you know. You know, everybody like be concerned about, hey, we're having to take um, vaccinations over COVID that haven't been tested. Well, do we really want to be vaccinating ourselves with these drugs for the rest of our lives and paying a thousand dollars a month for that? Definitely wouldn't. Insanity. And you know, one of the articles I read compared it in in I don't even know how to put this. Try to compare it in a positive way. Will it overtake bariatric surgery as the most successful weight loss intervention? Uh, 
Where do they come up with this stuff? What do you mean it's successful? It's not successful at all. It makes people really sick. Yeah. You know, one of the saddening things is um, that we find uh, with Kitamojo is actually we have a lot of bariatric surgeons that recommend our product because they need to shrink the person's liver um, uh, to be able to access to do the sleeve. And they find ketogenic diets are very efficacious to be able to shrink the liver because the fat using liver de novo, it, it's very easy. Within 30 days, you can, have a, you can reverse the effects of non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. And you look at that and you think, oh, hold on, if you're seeing weight loss, and obviously for anesthesia, you need to get the person's weight down to safety too. If you're seeing that weight loss happen, why is the bariatric surgeon so wanting to put that sleeve on? Is it just because they need another cash cow to turn up onto, onto the table? Or is, why don't they just carry that on and see where it can go? It, right. Have you ever watched the show My 600-Pound Life? I have. You just described exactly the whole issue of that show. I watched the show. They they show up at this doctor in Houston, and they're obviously really overweight, and he sets a goal for them. You have to lose this much weight, and then you qualify for the surgery. And they've actually gotten a little better at this. They are using more of a high-protein you know, low carb diet now, which in the past they were always trying to do the calories issue and low fat and it wasn't working. So they've actually gotten on board a little bit with more of a ketogenic diet. These people do start losing weight. And I think the exact same thing. Why do we stop what's working? Why not just keep doing it? Well, they have, they have to do the work. You have to put it in the time. Uh, it's a marathon and not a sprint and people want quick fixes but you know I personally damaged my body for over 25 years it took me six plus months to lose 47 pounds and get myself back into shape um, but would I go back to having carbs? No it's, it, it's, people have to understand that although physiologically the effects happen very rapidly if you consider that you can get into nutritional ketosis in two to three days but the behavioral change is really hard. You know, I gave smoking when I was 26. But I can still tell you, um, I don't know, for me, you know, there are moments where I still think, oh, cigarette looks quite good. I wouldn't yeah. And especially if I've had, like, a few drinks. You know, when you've got a pint of beer and a cigarette in the hand, you're in perfect balance. And I just think that. <laughs> but there's part of my brain that kind of, like, goes, no, you know, I'm not going to have that liquid bread because it's going to kill me eventually. And I'm not going to have that cigarette because it's going to kill me eventually. And we've known for so many years that smoking kills. And yet, you know, when I travel to Europe and other countries and I see people still outside and smoking, you're like, what on earth are we doing to ourselves? We have to be the change. Uh, and that's the important piece. And we have to make the change ourselves. No one's going to do it for us. Absolutely. Hey, uh, we, we got, we're, heading down the path here and we're going to bring uh, Lauren in to join us. Lauren, Lauren, good morning. Normally I bring you in first, but uh, I hadn't refreshed my screen this morning. I didn't know you were there waiting. So good morning. Uh Uh-oh, Lauren? Is Lauren not hearing us? Uh, Angie, I'm going to put Lauren back in. Oh, hold on. I think I heard you there. Let me bring you back. I was going to put you back in the queue. There you are, Lauren, you with us? 
I'm here. Sorry about that. I must have been on mute or something, but <laughs> happy to be here and love where this conversation is already going. It's great. <laughs> well, good morning. Jump in. What uh, What's on your mind this week? This week? Well, I don't know. I think I just, I'm excited to keep the momentum going with these, um, talking about these weight loss drugs that everyone, including some people that I actually know, are turning to. Um, I'd love to hear more about, you know, the, the side effects. And I know we don't even really know many of the side effects yet since it's all relatively new, but I love where this is going, this whole conversation. Excellent. And today, really, um, the you know the four of us could talk all day about this kind of stuff. Today really is about the callers, and we've got one. So we're going to get to the phones. If you want to jump in, 855-950-3835. If you have any questions at all about specifically the keto diet, uh, ketones, measuring ketones, keto mojo, jump in. But uh, if you have any questions about diet or Health at all, jump in. You've got uh, you've got a lot of knowledge here. So we're going to get to the calls. We're going to start off in Florida. Pavel, welcome to the program. Hello, Kevin. How are you? Good. Welcome, everybody. Yeah. What's uh, on your mind this morning? Oh, the first the the first question I have about uh, my ketones. I'm measuring the ketones with Keto Mojo for about a few weeks already, and I mentioned one thing that. For a few days, I saw, you know, when I am on the high range of ketosis, you know, to moderate. But the other days, I'm going on the low, you know, ketosis to moderate. Or sometimes even I'm, I'm out of ketosis. I'm working with Lauren on myself, you know. Um, we have got a bunch of, you know, issues with, with my body. It's so damaged. But I don't eat, you know, carbs. It's like zero. The only I eat is, is carnivore, you know, meat. And I am wondering if that's how it's supposed to my body react, you know, that sometimes I am low ketosis, sometimes I'm high ketosis. And the one more thing is that sometimes, even if I am on the high range of ketosis, like 1.2 GKI, uh, 1.0, I feel so weak instead of having energy, you know. And I am, you know, wondering too, that if maybe there is a good point of get out from ketosis, like for two days to eat some, you know, fruits or, or uh, honey and then go back, you know, after. But my body is so damaged, like gut lining, SIBO, uh, upper GI, which is getting much better. And I'm wondering if I'm not, you know, uh, if, if, if I should go out from ketosis, you know, and eat these carbs, I have so many, you know, troubles with my body. So that's my question, and I am what I am actually thinking about. What do you think? Well, first of all, Pavel, great, great question. But thank you for bringing that up. There's quite a lot to on on, on track here, and um, it, it's kind of interesting. And some of these pieces, I'm actually going to bat over to our to Jessica, who is who is our RD. Um, but I kind of like want to know how long have you been following a ketogenic lifestyle? Uh, I'm right now from past two years. So you've been doing two years. Yes, two years, but you know, it's, it was like 
for a year, trick the keto, and then I come back to the carbs for, for two, three months, and then go back to the keto again, because, you know, I mentioned that I feel so, so bad when I'm eating carbs. From two months, I'm with Kevin strictly, because I want to fix my body. So I, I really focus on every single aspect I'm doing on the ketogenic diet, even with the measuring ketones too. I measure like two, three times a day to see how my body works, you know, and what my liver is doing. And I mentioned that, that sometimes I'm on the high range, sometimes I am, I am on the low range, and and I I don't understand why. It's, it's not normal. I don't have to worry about nothing or just, just keep it going, you know, or or it's still something damaged, you know. I, I don't know. I, I, so so I, love, I love to use the phrase that fat is a lever. Protein is a goal, and carbs are an absolute. Now, you know, in a, and Jessica, you know when you were doing pediatric epilepsy and you're doing like 4-1 and 3-1, if you're looking to increase somebody's ketones quite dramatically, you're going to push the lever of fat. That is what will get your ketones up high. And protein, you'll bring it down to a moderate protein to reflect um, the, the, the you know, the, the muscle management that you have in your body. So if the combination of the meats that you are having are slightly leaner and not having a lot of fat, that will adjust definitely um, the amount of ketones you produce. Now, it won't take you out of the but, you know, you can be at this lower grade, and we see a lot of carnivores have lower-grade ketone levels, um, 0 0.4, 0 0.5, and 0.3. So you've got to kind of like think about that. And then also, you know, one of the pieces we unpacked is that you felt yourself being slightly weaker. That could actually be a classic uh, electrolyte um, uh, in, imbalance. You know, it's very important because your diet can be diuretic, that you replenish your electrolytes and have a good amount of potassium, magnesium, and, uh, and salt that is in there. And lastly, you mentioned that it was two months, although you've been on off, but the, the, the last one has been about two months of this, this current um, being far more stricter. Well, it takes over 12 weeks to get fat adapted. That's for your mitochondria to adjust on the, on the cellular level. And so and when Dr. Wallach and Finney did their faster study, they showed that even in elite athletes, that their endurance went down before it came back up. Um, you know, obviously there's a there's more things that, that can fluctuate on ketones. Stress can cause massive problems because of the cortisol spike. Not getting good enough sleep mm -hmm. can also be a big factor. Uh, we, we see that. Just dive in here. Uh, what, what else would you say? <laughs> yeah, actually, Dorian, uh, Dorian, you've really been hitting some nails on the head here. <laughs> I completely agree with you on a lot of these things. And so the only thing really that I would add, so in terms of the, the weakness, when your ketones get really high, your GKI gets really low, I agree 100% with electrolytes and hydration, making sure that you are adding those into your diet as well. But sometimes very high ketones aren't necessarily the best thing for everyone. Some people actually don't feel so great when their ketones are very high. So you really need to find out where your specific sweet spot is, where you have, you feel the best, you have the best energy and that you feel like your body is actually healing. And sometimes that is with blood ketones in the ones, twos or threes versus the more of the therapeutic ketosis, which is the four fives and sixes. So making sure also that your blood sugar is staying low and your ketones are staying at a good range to feel, make you feel what's best 
for you. Yeah. Okay, so why is last Okay. Yes. Yeah, I'm normally between 1.1 and 1.7. That's my buyer individuality. That's my sweet spot. My key times are usually lowest in the morning and then highest just before the evening meal. Uh, I like the, I'm a fan of the two time a day test. The morning, about an hour after waking. Uh, that's my baseline. And, uh, and then the just before the evening meal, at least three hours after having any other food. Let's say if I've had a snack at lunch, I'm going to make sure I've cleared three hours from there. And that's usually my, my high point of, of, of the day. And it also means that that evening one means that I, have I been eating clean during the day? It's a big factor. Uh, so, so what about uh, getting out from ketosis, you know, for purpose, you know, I just, I just want to, you know, I'm, I'm thinking to, to eat some fruits for one, two days to, 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 you know, to reset, let's say reset. I, I don't know if that's a good idea or not. If I got so many problems with, with, you know, uh, with the gut and everything else, you know. So I don't. So I, I would say my, my my personal opinion on this. So this is my my personal opinion. This is for me, uh, not for you. And I think Jeff might be able to uh, approach what some people think are on on carb cycling. Uh, I'm a carbohydrate addict. You know, if I have something that tastes kind of like sweet, I'm going to have once more of it. And I know that myself. You know, when I was going to have a cup of tea. I would dunk it and I'll go, I'll only have one cookie with my, with my tea. And next thing you know, I've eaten the entire packet. So I don't carb cycle. I, I look at carbs as smoking. You know, there's one or two going to kill me. No, but why would I, as that addict, want to say, oh, it's okay for you to have that cigarette just that weekend. It's okay for you to have that cigarette weekend. It's okay for you to have that, um, that ecstasy pill at the weekend. No, it's not not me. And so I choose not to carb cycle. I don't see the value in it. But I also realize that my gut microbiota is going to change a little bit. And I, I like the gut microbiota that I have from a well-regulated ketogenic diet. And to me, a well-regulated ketogenic diet is adequate fat, moderate protein, above-ground vegetables. I don't fall into the hardcore carnivore camp, nor do I go into the, the vegetarian camp, I kind of like sit in this middle camp, but the one place I don't go is, is carbohydrate. Um, and that cuts me into like that because I enjoy meal. I want to go out to dine. I don't want to be too restrictive in my life. And I find that that works for me. But bio-individuality becomes more important. And I'm going to bat the ball to, to Jess for her opinion on carb cycling and on what, the, what the actual science says on that one. What's your opinion? So... So my, my actual opinion on kind of the question that you're asking is not necessarily coming out of ketosis, but figuring out a good balance of your macronutrients, which is your fat, your protein, and your carbohydrates that you can maintain daily. So it sounded like you were going towards a lot on the carnivore side, which is very high protein versus kind of more of the higher fat, moderate protein, and then actually incorporating maybe a little bit of carbohydrates and like Dorian said, your above ground vegetables, or maybe a small amount of fruit that you could add into your diet daily mm-hmm. so that you can really regulate your ketones to be in that sweet spot that you find for yourself. Yeah, what yeah. I mentioned when I, uh, when I am eating like, for example, six ounce ribeye steak, I have to add like extra ones of 
aunt of uh, lard, like a pork lard or, you know, and, you know, I'm still not satisfied. But when I go to restaurant and take like 12 ounce ribeye steak with the goat cheese sauce, you know, then I feel, you know, much better. You know, I feel I just stand up. I feel like I'm standing up. You know, I got energy. I got everything. So I that's what I figured it out. I need to eat some more meat instead of more fat, you know, because I can I can put even two tablespoons of lard and drink it drink it after i finish my meal you know and i still don't feel satisfied i just i just that's what i saw you know six ounces of meat is not enough for me even if i'm gonna add this fat but when i put like you know nine or ten ounces of meat and i feel much better and i'm so skinny i'm i'm just losing weight all the time you know i feel it's so, like, I did like six point five, and and I'm losing, and I I I'm looking like, like a zombie, you know. It's just <laughs> so I, I I'll I'll You're great. I, I'll I'll jump in here a little bit. So on the losing weight, um, we've had a lot of people say this when they're extreme carnivore or extreme keto, and they stay that way, and they lose more weight than they want to. I can do that if I go extreme either way, cardo, keto or carnivore, a week or two. I'll lose another 10 pounds and, and I don't feel comfortable there. So I've just worked out a, a lot like Dorian and Jessica said, my daily macros to where I stay at a weight that I want. I, it, it is a wonderful thing in a world full of people who are so desperate to lose weight and they'll do anything. They'll take toxic drugs. And here we are. We're so blessed. We're saying, what do we do to gain a little of this weight back? What a wonderful problem to have. And it's easy to solve. It add in some carbs that, that you do well with, whether that's above ground vegetables, some fruit, some honey. Uh, I do it daily. I do not carb cycle either. Uh, um, Dorian, I think you and I are a lot alike. I don't carb cycle. My ketone range is right about the same spot yours is. That's where I feel best. Uh, and, and it's just a matter of working out your daily macros. And, and I'm not crazy about it. If I, ha mm -hmm. I I don't count, I just kind of know what I've eaten today. If I feel like one day I've had maybe too many carbs, I just back off a little the next day. I, I don't get crazy about this. I don't write stuff down. I don't count it. In the beginning, you can do all those things till you figure this out. But at some point, I, I want to live my life and not be so hyper-focused on what I'm eating all the time. And I, I'm there now. I, I, I just eat. I, I don't really think much about it anymore. I, I think that's, that's, you're, I think you're just so worried about putting some carbs back in, and I don't think you should be. Just find the ones yeah, that work for you. I got a lot of issues with my body, so that's why I, I don't want to. I don't want to go back what I have because I right. see that my psoriasis is going down. Uh, I, you know, my digestive is much better. My upper GI is, is working much better. I still Excellent. got problems. So that's why I'm wondering about these carbs. If I'm going to take it, I don't want to, you know, lose all of this hard work what I'm doing right now. So Absolutely. So you, you so, kind of find those carbs that work well for you. I eat fruit and honey every day. I mean, those are basics for me. Not a ton. One banana, maybe a tablespoon or two of honey throughout the day. 
And that's all it takes all right. for me to maintain the weight that I want. If I drop those two things, I'll lose another 10 pounds in two weeks. <laughs> all right. All right. So that's all I want. I, that's all I want to talk, you know, and thank you. Thank you for, you know, everything. So that's all. You're welcome. Thank you. And have Thanks a good- for the call. All right. So uh, phone lines are open. Calls are quiet today. Not sure why. You know, it's kind of quiet this week because I told everybody I was on a pseudo vacation. But we are here on the show. We're live. If you've got questions, now's your chance. We've got a lot of people here who can help you with whatever. 855-950-3835. Anybody have anything else we want to cover while we're waiting on some calls? I have something that maybe we can shed a little light on. Um, So for instance, that last caller, I've been working with him and he was carnivore, but he wasn't digesting protein like very well at all, at all. So put him on, you know, a digestive support supplement to help, you know, break down proteins better. But he also had um, kidney issues, which had him on antibiotics for a long period of time. Plus was taking oregano oil for a long, for about a year, thinking that he was doing himself better doing that. So I'm wondering between the digestive issue, not being able to break down your proteins, if that's basically what you're eating the most of, um, how that can play into it as well as any kind of infections. I know infections can drive glucose and things like that. So if anyone has anything to, you know, to say about that, I feel like that would be a, a good, helpful topic. Yeah, I think that, you know, with, with especially with SIBIA, like we, being on long-term antibiotic, you can just really destroy your gut microbiome. So repairing that by focusing on a whole foods-based diet, which it sounds like we have started to, but I do think that incorporating some carbohydrates in the way of carbs with good fiber content could be very beneficial for this specific client. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely I think fermented that, food yeah, having a little bit. Exactly. Fermented foods, yeah, could would really be of benefit. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yeah, I'm a big I'm a big fan of kimchi. So we have kimchi, uh, you know, I start my morning with a triple cream uh, yogurt uh, that mm-hmm. uh, I then have a smattering of just blueberries, uh, maybe some raspberries on that, and then fried pecan. So when we talk, when we talk about the word carbohydrate here, we're not including a huge amount. You know, certainly a fibrous bub brown like a zucchini is absolutely, or even a spaghetti squash is, is pretty good on carb after you've been doing it for a while and you're metabolically um, flexible. So as time goes on and you d- develop that meta- that, that ketogenic metabolic flexibility, um, you know, you don't have to be as restricted on the amount of carbs that you have. I mean, I test and I'm always in ketosis and even when traveling and I go like, well, that's sufficient in that sauce or that in that wine might have a little bit more residual sugar on it, but I'm still managing to maintain it. And so, this is sort of like how testing can actually help you, you know, and you can take away some of the worry. 
okay, are you feeling like nutritional ketosis? Absolutely fantastic. Are you feeling a tea better? Absolutely fantastic. That's kind of what we, so you need it as a comfort guide point or waypoint on your personal journey. I think that becomes really more being more short and peace. And where you try, you try different things. You know, you, you say, okay, I'm going to trap my sleep maybe with an aura ring or something like that. So I have a better way and say, hey, well, it, it's hard times it's sleeping out. What is your root cause? And that root cause is more of the important thing. And sometimes that root cause is going to disappear over time as your gut microbiota change uh, and, and develop and settle down. And you kind of like get to a new kind of like stasis, if you will. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Yeah. I am, uh, I'm not sure what's, what's going on with our phones. This is really odd. Um, in fact, it's, it's the opposite of the pattern for the last several months. I've been shutting off phones so that we can get the show ended. And today I just, I can't seem to get calls or they're coming in and they're dropping. So I'm not sure what's going on. If you want to jump in, now's your chance. 855-950-3835. We are talking about ketones, keto mojo testing, ketogenic diets. You know, one of the things that I'm kind of interesting with this last caller, and I experienced this. When we first started, you know, eating differently and trying these things, I kept reading how satiating protein was supposed to be for appetite, and I did not find that to be true. If I was eating, especially if I was eating leaner proteins, you know, a, a, a New York strip or anything like that, I could not eat enough to be satisfied. For some reason, I I could just keep eating protein and not really get satisfied. And I was always looking for something else. If I made sure it was fatty enough protein or I added enough fat, some butter, some other good fats, then I was fine. Somewhere along the line, that changed and I don't know how or why. Now, for some reason, protein is satiating for me. So I I can eat just a a steak or, you know, a, a piece of meat here and there and, and be just fine and be satisfied. And I don't know when or why that changed. Mm. I mean, it's generally, um, Jessica, correct me, that when you have protein and fat together, you get a, a ghrelin release, that hormonal release kind of happens. If, if you have had that short circuited for quite some time, does it take a while for the body to re-get back into that that kind of like cycle? I mean, I haven't seen any studies on it. I don't know if you have, Jen. No, no, I haven't. But I, I, the other thing is that you have to remember is that there's a lot more calories per gram of fat than there are per gram of protein as well. So you you actually probably weren't even maybe getting enough calories. <laughs> yeah, you and could I be. keep talking about calories, but at the beginning, I think that it's probably that your body wasn't adjusted quite yet. And again, we talk about, you know, the different macronutrients and making sure that that you are getting enough energy, but making sure that your energy is coming from the correct sources. So I think that adding so fat takes a lot longer to digest than protein and carbohydrates, which was why fat makes you feel full longer. So by mm-hmm. adding additional fat to your protein, that actually 
probably helped you feel more satiated until your body got adjusted and regulated to be understand like the use it you know utilizing the hormone ghrelin and really feeling that that fullness um from the protein so that's what i would probably say happened you know something else we, we've kind of been talking about you know, your, your macronutrients and, you know, what vegetables to eat and if we're going to add fruits and that. One thing we haven't talked about, I don't think during this, um, series at all is like seasonality. And, and I know for me that, that there mm-hmm. is a seasonality in the way I eat. I, in the winter time, I'm completely satisfied with, you know, a good heavy meal of protein and fat mostly. And, you know, the produce isn't as fresh and I, I just don't seem to want it as much. Yeah, I can eat some here and there. Summertime, my garden's cranking. It's the opposite. I, I can't wait to eat some of the produce coming out of the garden. So, you know, I think as hunter-gatherers, seasonality played a big role in how we ate. Yeah, uh, yeah you know, what's, what's interesting is um, when you talk about that seasonality, you're, you're you're, you being in your garden, you are actually bringing into your lifestyle um, some other aspects of addressing the terrain around the individual. And, you know, it's not just about the food that you eat. It's about perhaps getting that early morning light, that, that red sunrise wavelength that's coming into, into, your, into your eyes that helps you with your circadian rhythm. It's understanding that your seasonality as the seasons change and the light change, it comes on in there. You're getting the vitamin D. You're, as we come into the winter months, we, we seek those warmer comfort foods, those, those soups and those boxes. But what's happened right now is that with the globalization of food, you can have the same foods uh, all the time, all year round. And I think what people lose with that is they lose their touch with the land, their grounding that they need to, to get on in there. And I think what needs to happen with people is, you know, we talk about my, the biota of the stomach, that, you know, how many of us grew up as young kids were out in their parents' gardens and we just grabbed the carrot out of the, out of the ground, gave the quick wipe, and they ate it. Uh, thing with the radishes, I remember my grandmother growing radishes up on the South Downs in England in the chalky soil. And those things had such a spice to them, it was quite uh, incredible. And I think that humility as you, it becomes important. And it also then gives you connection to the land and the food and the, the joy and ceremony of what a meal and a dinner should be. And this, I was very pleased that when I was asked in the United Kingdom, I went to a wonderful restaurant, and everything they were trying to do was, was being produced within 25 miles of the restaurant. Uh, that's, that gives it a really hyper amount of seasonality to your food. And I think that's really important to bring that in because it makes it more, even more delicious. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we do have some calls that are coming in, so I think we're going to jump on them. Let's, uh, let's get started in Texas. Paul, welcome to the program. Howdy. What's on your mind today? It's a lot sleep. My sleep pattern has changed in the last month or so. So for probably 30 years, I've never been an early riser. If I would get out of bed at 6 a.m., that was early. But I was more like a get out of bed at 7 a.m., but regularly stay up till 10 p.m. till midnight. 
and even in the trucking. But the last month or so, I've started waking up at, well, the one week there, I woke up between quarter to five and 5 a.m. every morning of the week. And I never changed my go-to-bed time, which was about 10.30 when I was at home. Last night, I want to get up early this morning so that I'll go to bed a little bit earlier and maybe I can get seven and a half or eight hours sleep, which is what I've functioned with regularly for years. Occasionally, I'll sleep for nine, but not very often. So I went to bed at 20 past nine last night, and I woke up at three o'clock this morning, and I couldn't go back to sleep. So I got up, Tom made my food and everything at home and had breakfast, did the housework, and I left home at about six o'clock. I got a big day ahead of me. I'm probably going to, because I don't want to get snarled up and used to traffic, so I'm going to show split sleeper, but I'm not going to be in the sleeper. I'll do two hours off duty, and I'm probably not going to go to bed till 11 p.m. tonight, and I guarantee I'm going to wake up early tomorrow morning. But my sleep has gone down to less than seven every night, and rig- and last night, less than six. By just that stage of life where I'm getting old or something, sleep You know, I, I, I'll... I'll jump in on the sleep issue because one, I've dealt with it myself and, and it's odd for me because I had no sleep issues whatsoever for the first 40 some years of my life, even as a driver, even with all the goofy schedules and hours of driving. And there was a time I was driving at, at FedEx, moving back and forth from a, a morning shift to an evening, uh, even then. My sleep was never disrupted. I always had good sleep. What what seemed to screwed it up was the midnight show. When I first got the midnight show on Sirius XM, and I've been struggling with sleep ever since. Part of the problem here, we seem to know almost nothing about sleep. I, there's a ton of research out there. I've read it all. Most of it is is kind of worthless. The sleep trackers we have, I've tested probably, not exaggerating, probably 20 or more sleep trackers. No consistency whatsoever. Um, I When I do track, yeah. what a, a sleep tracker might show that I had a great night of sleep, but I don't feel all that great the next day. Other days, my sleep is so bad, my sleep tracker won't even show that I slept at all and I feel fine. There's still an awful lot we just don't know about sleep. Yeah, well, very seldom do I ever wake up to an alarm. I'm not really a fan of them. I don't like that. Oh, what the hell is that noise? So quite often when I do set the alarm, I'll wake up before it goes off because I don't want to hear it scream. But um, it, You know, I'm pretty you know, good at I, I don't use alarms and I'm pretty good at being able to say, you know, I'm going to wake up at this time and, and I'm usually pretty close. So I, I don't use alarms and I haven't for years and years. I don't like them either. The And my sleep cycle has changed pretty dramatically in just the last year or two. And I'm not sure why. And what shifted is when I yeah. sleep and I don't like it and it's not good. I was always early to bed, early to rise, you know, in bed by 8.30 at night and asleep by 9, usually read for a little bit and go to sleep, and then wake up at 4, 4.30 in the morning. I, I can't do that anymore. Now it's like I can't even get to sleep till midnight. 
And then my body wants to wake up at four, but I wake up and, and know that if I don't get another hour or two of sleep, I'm going to be, you know, dragging by the end of the day. But I don't know why that shifted yeah. either. I mean, my sleep pattern had been pretty consistent most of my adult yeah. life until now. Um, part of the problem for me is all the biohacking I do on weird stuff, you know, the testing things and testing supplements and testing devices. And, um, sometimes I can get out of whack, which is kind of where I am right now. But I, I am convinced that we just do not have the sleep thing figured out. Uh, Paul, I got a question for you. When you were waking up and it was like 3 a.m., how did you actually feel that day? How was your day done? Did you feel, did you wake up at 3 and was like, oh, I'm, I'm awake at 3, but, you know, or was it kind of like um, that you were then tired during during the day? Or was it that you just, well, okay, this is a, a new thing? I don't, I, I don't, very seldom, I can't remember ever laying down during the daytime to have a nap. Oh, I got up too early. Um, I, I, I never feel tired during the day. Even I might get to the end of the day and it's like I'm starting to feel tired, but I, I might have been up for 18 or 20 hours. I'm going to bed. But right. I, I never, I've never been one to, unless I'm sick, which is not very often, don't have time for that, self-employed. <laughs> um, I, ne- I, never, I never take a nap during the day either. So. Right, and so I think... I think sometimes you're going to go through those paces in, in, in life where sometimes you are going to wake up. And the thing is to kind of like accept it there. Uh, I think it was a lovely article that was written um, that back before we had electric lamps and you know, rest of it like that, people would go to bed early. And then there was a time that they might wake up in, in the midnight hour, uh, one o'clock. And during that period of the time, they would write, they would write songs or they would write poetry or they would make love or that and they would go and have that that second sleep. But sometimes it's sort of like, like, do you really want to fret being up at that time, or do you want to actually do something with that time? You know, like we look out in, into the moonlight and go like, well, it's pretty nice to to, to enjoy it. Um, I, you know, sleep is really important. My wife doesn't have good sleep, and we do um, things like making sure that we have red lights in our bedroom. It looks really weird to go into that. The light emanating from 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 our bedroom, but it's a way of like I trying to get back to a little bit of that light. Sadly, in California, they they changed all of the the rules and everything to put these low energy LEDs in, and I don't actually like the the, the light that comes out of it. So I, you know, like like you said, we did a little bit of the biohack on the build boxes, and we use a red shift on our phones to ensure that we're reducing down that light to make it a little bit easier. But if you're, if you're up and you're refreshed, you know, I think, it does, does it matter whether or not you're a, a good full eight hour or a seven hour or a, a six hour? It's, uh, I think that's the interesting piece, but definitely more work needs to be done on food. Yeah, well, uh, if, I, if I woke up at 3 a.m., usually it's because I had to pee and I'd go pee and I'd go straight back to sleep. Well, the last few weeks, I'll wake up to pee and I get up and pee and then I don't go back to sleep. So I, I've decided, well, I'll just get up. So that's what I've been doing. But I haven't really changed my diet a lot, but one thing I have noticed, if I get up at, at say, 5 a.m., I'm still, 
I, I still drink my cocoa every morning and every night before I go to bed or cacao, whatever you want to call it. But mm-hmm. with, with real milk out of the cow, non-pasteurized, non-bastardized, um, but some a couple of times last week when I got up early and before I knew it, it was one o'clock in the afternoon and I still hadn't had anything to eat. So I, I'd eat my bacon and egg for the first meal of the day and then four hours later, I'd be eating my my dinner and then so I was eating all my food in six hours. I don't know whether that's got anything to do with it, so... Yeah, I mean, I think one meal a day. I mean, I'm I'm a, I'm a bit of a homad kind of like guy. One meal a day, sort of like that. One big meal a day, and generally, you know, uh, in the morning, I'm only having tea with heavy cream uh, through uh, until almost midday into the afternoon. If you consider that as my evening meal the night before at seven, you know, it's easy. Um, you know, a, a long distance of time you've really got to that sixteen, eighteen hours. So and now I've got some good ketones that, that are building up in my body, and then I would just do a a light kind of like um, snackish, uh, and then do one big evening meal. Everybody has their own style, and I think the this is a piece that one size does not fit all, and you have to find out what works with you for your lifestyle. You know, life shouldn't life should not be a diet, as all diets will fail. Uh, it needs to be a lifestyle, um, a choice for optimized health uh, and it's kind of like figuring out the special source on that one is, is what we are all, all work towards because <laughs> it's it never easy and what works for one will not work for another yeah and paul i'd like to actually add also that i'd i'd like you to also consider um potentially adding in an electrolyte supplement of some sort because if you are if you have drastically changed your diet in that way. I want to make sure that you're not missing out on your sodium and magnesium specifically. So, cause those can kind of magnesium specifically can help counteract your stress hormones that you like cortisol that you can, that can kind of keep you awake as well. So just something else okay. to think about. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like yesterday morning I had bacon and eggs for breakfast and my wife said, I said, what do, you, she, what do you want for dinner? She was asking me the day before because I was at home. I said, I don't know. And then yesterday morning, she said, we haven't had ribs for a long time. So I bought a rack of ribs, and she had two ribs off the end of it, and then I left the two more for today, and I ate the rest of the rack of ribs. That was my dinner yesterday was three-quarters of a rack of ribs. Mm-hmm. That's all I ate all day was Two eggs, two pieces of bacon, and three quarters of a rack of ribs. So yeah, so I I would absolutely consider some kind of electrolyte supplement to see okay. if that kind of helps regulate you at night as well, and also your salt intake to make sure that you're optimizing your antidiuretic hormone that can kind of help you sleep through the night without having to get up to go to the bathroom as well. So will the cardio miracle help me there, Kevin? Yes. It's one of the reasons I do Cardio Miracle every day as much as I don't like to supplement and I try not to. There are some that I need, and that's one that covers a lot of bases. Okay, well, I'll finally have to do it then. So, okay, that's all I got. I'll carry on. Thank you. All right. Thanks for the call. Let's head off to North. Oh, go ahead, Doria. 
I just got a quick question from Jed. You know, there's different, there's different types of magnesium. So do you have a favored one that you think is better, or do you pick different types of magnesium for different reasons? Well, so there are, there's a lot of different types of magnesium, and some can actually help you go to the bathroom for constipation issues. So it just kind of depends on what's best for you. But on, and, and actually on our MyMojo market on ketomojo.com, we actually have a, we have some electrolyte supplements as well, magnesium supplements that you can look at. But I like the magnesium calm. Um, I think that is magnesium oxide. I can't remember exactly, but I'd have to look at it. But um, I think it's Sorry, what did you say, Lauren? I think it's magnesium citrate. Is it the calm that citrate. you put Thank in you. with water? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. But that one great so, to keep like bowel movements moving, which is, you know, I, I, I recommend it to some people and they're like, oh my gosh, now I can't live without it. <laughs> um, right. But, but yeah, I have a little cheat sheet in front of me. Apparently, um, citrate's really great for that. Um, in terms of energy, malate is supposed to be really good. Glycinate is supposed to be great for sleep. So there are a ton. There, I have like nine different forms of magnesium in front of me, and they all do. You're absolutely right. They all do um, have, you know, serve different purposes, I should say. And I think you have it on your Let's Up Health Shop that you have your Active Mag Plus as well. Yes, Active Max Plus is, is on the supplement list at the Let's Truck store. Is that what you're asking? Yes, correct. Perfect. Perfect. Yes. Thanks for that. I'm glad you had a cheat sheet. Yeah. I remember all the different magnesiums. It, I know there's so many. It's impossible to remember them all. It, there is so many, and this is something we've worked on quite a bit. I, I've got my favorites for different things. Light balance seems to work really well for that kind of daily um, electrolyte balance. We see people start on keto, and they lose a lot of water and a lot of mineral balance, and, and light balance seems to be really good for getting that back. Uh, if I'm really active out in the garden in the summertime, like I'm getting now, Actimag. Um, will become daily for me. The Cardio Miracle helps for that a lot. Then we did bring in some new magnesium. We had to go to another company for more of the stress reduction, calming sleep effects. Um, one of the things we have figured out, almost everybody we deal with is deficient in a couple of forms of magnesium. We have an, we're supposed to have an awful lot of magnesium in our body. Um, and today it seems to be one of the deficiencies we see almost across the board. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I yep. agree. All right, let's uh, let's grab another call here. Let's go. Oh, hold on. Wait a minute. We've got Chris there. Chris, keep going. Sorry. Yeah, yes, sir. Oh, sorry about that. Uh I got a question for you guys as far as diet goes. About two years ago, I kind of started down this keto thing with nutrient dense keto. I was 399 pounds. I'm six foot six. And uh, a couple months ago, I was down to 250 pounds. 
uh, lost a ton of weight doing it. When I first started, I was nutrient dense, a lot of veggies. And since then, I've swapped over to pure carnivore more because I really like meat compared to anything else. But I noticed that I was starting to lose muscle mass, getting kind of weak. So I started doing the X3 bar while still eating carnivore. I put 25 pounds back on in about three months. Uh, but what I'm wondering is being as high a protein as I am right now by doing straight meat, am I going to run into any issues down the road long term? Do I need to put veggies back in or not? Well, first of all, the, congratulations on that wonderful um, uh, fat mass reduction. Uh, you know, when people talk about weight loss, I think there's an important skill to make a differential between um, uh, muscle mass and fat mass. You know, I think things like DEXA scans could be really good, or you can even do some of the, the more, less expensive ones with the electrical resistance. But you said you were using, utilizing the extreme part that's for that uh, for Building up muscle? Correct. Just it, uh, resistance training. I've been doing that here pretty heavy for about the last two months or two and a half months. And I'm still eating pure carnivore, but I'm kind of amazed because in two or two and a half months, I put on probably 20 pounds, 25 pounds, and I can tell that it's basically just muscle mass. Well, that's a fantastic thing. All credit to you in being able to um, uh, to, to do that. Which I'm, 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 my my muscles, I look like knots in cotton, much first for myself, and I've never been really much of a workout person. But you know, building that muscle mass is beautifully important. You know, you can see Dr. Sean Baker, the carnivore doc. I mean, he epitome uh, epitome of utilizing that. So I think it's great that you put on that. And the beauty of being, you know, keto and carnivore is you can cut down, so then you get much more of a lean body and, and, and a better physique. And as you know, the age on the house, um, having that a muscle mass is, is wonderfully um, uh, important uh, for future life. Yeah, well, and then the reason I'm wondering this is uh, my significant other, my wife, is saying that, oh, you're, you're doing yourself a disservice, you're going to get sick, it's not healthy to not have veggies in, especially when you're working this hard on stuff, and I guess that's kind of what I was wondering, do I need to put veggies back in, or can I just keep going the way I'm going, because I've always tended to be a results guy, and so far, the results for the way I'm doing it absolutely blow me away, and I don't really want to change it, but at the same time, I want an opinion from somebody with more knowledge than myself whether I should just keep going this way. You know, Dr. Bernstein says there are essential fats or you're going to die. There are essential proteins or you're going to die. There are no essential carbohydrates. Here you've obviously, this is working for you. It's doing extremely well for you. You're feeling great. You're putting on muscle mass that is, that is there. You're getting all the essential amino acids in life. Um, Jeff, would you change anything there? You know, I, I really wouldn't. <laughs> I really wouldn't. <laughs> I, again, I, I would keep going with what you're, what you're doing. And again, 
the muscle, preserving your lean muscle mass is the most important thing while losing your fat mass, which is what it sounds like you have done. And this has been working for you. And you recognize that you were getting a little bit concerned that you were losing some of that. So you added in something to your diet that makes you feel good and you feel strong and you're exercising and you're doing that resistance training. So I personally would say, keep on keeping on. That's That would be my recommendation. <laughs> I, I agree. And I think the important thing here, one thing here is also when we people talk about weight loss or weight gain, I think we need to talk more about fat loss and fat gain. Good point. You know, the fact that you're building up, you're building up the muscle mass and you could, you, you could say to yourself, well, you know, I put on 25 pounds. Yes, but you put on 25 pounds of muscle mass and that's absolutely fantastic. That's something to that certainly um, celebrate um, without without a doubt, yeah. and it is it is a fat mass that we need to reduce on down within our bodies. Yeah, well, and it, it's pretty obvious because you can you can see the muscle mass coming back. But when I started down this road, I had a forty four inch waist. When I was at two fifty, I had a thirty two inch waist, and now I'm back up to around two seventy five. And I still have a 32-inch waist, and everything still fits the way it did at 250. Um, but that that brings me to my final question for you. Uh, as far as, like, legs and arms and stuff, any skin that was loose there, you know, it's getting filled in with muscle. I've got no issues with that. But I have got all kinds of loose skin around my midsection that just will not go away. And it's kind of irritating me as everything else is toning up and getting tight. I can't get rid of this loose skin around my midsection. Do you have any recommendations on what to do there or just keep doing what I'm doing and wait it out? Oh, that's a, that's a loaded question. Um, you know, there are some people like Dr. Jason Fung who feel that sometimes um, fasting or talking in a therapeutic fast and help with autophagy and apoptosis um, that can um, kind of like work towards reducing that down. Um, but sometimes uh, you talk to any woman who's, who's had a baby, the, the scars of life are going to be the scars of life there. So what do you reckon, Jeff? You, you've been, been, been through a size change in your body once and are about to do it again next week. <laughs> I, you know, I, I would say that Chris, just be be patient because skin is the skin is the you know the largest organ in our body basically that it it took time for it to stretch it's going to take time for it to kind of repair as well and so you know you've lost a pretty significant amount of weight in two years which is something to be very proud of so I would say continue what you're what you are doing and know that it just is going to take some time. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, and it, as far as that fasting goes, I guess I maybe should have mentioned that. Um, I do intermittent fasting on the normal. It isn't, uh, I'm not on any kind of schedule or anything, but the way I am right now, I might go three or four days where I'm not hungry. So I just won't eat anything. And then when I do get hungry, I might sit down and eat two or three ribeyes, and then I'll be good for a couple more days. So I'm, I am intermittent fasting, but I'm never hungry when I'm doing. Yeah, that's, that's great to hear somebody doing that. You know, it takes time to build up your fasting muscles. So I think for any listeners out there, you know, it took me a while. I you know I would do my first 24 hour or 
degree of 15 eights or something like that to begin with, and then you get to the 24 hours, and then you can try and build up. Uh, I mean, Jeremy and I, we kind of like to do a therapeutic fast, maybe two or three times a year, something like that, just because we like to do a good reset of the system, if you will. And for us, a therapeutic fast is anywhere between three to five days. Now, I have to be honest with you. Day one, I always hate it. Day two, are oh, feeling great. Day three, feeling fantastic. Day four, kind of bored, really want to come back to the ceremony of food. And by five, day five, we're kind of like, for us, Gemma and I, we're just done at, at doing it. And that kind of like works for us. I mean, I love hearing people who can say, I can do it naturally and easily. Oh, I think that's so fantastic. Uh, you know, and, and I think the benefits of, of bringing in the actual fasting, and I use a bit of testing into that as well. You know, sometimes when you find yourself going like, oh, I want to break my fast and reaching for the refrigerator, I actually test myself on my blood at that time because, you know, if I'm in a normal trade state and I'm between 1.1 and 1.7 and then suddenly I find I'm fasting and I'm in the food, I know I've got twice as much energy moving through my bloodstream at that time. So the question for me is like, why do I want to reach for this this bit? And it's kind of like it's it's perhaps a dog ringing its bell. It's that kind of like, okay, Apple, it's and this is this is not only a physiological game, but it's a psychological game. And I'm like, okay, I can be psychological game, and I'll go in that part. I'll go, okay, I'll just have a little bit of broth, and that will, will see me see me through. And I also like the Dr. Annette Bosworth technique to like get yourself through to that extra day if you're having difficulty and she uses sardines. Brilliant. I don't like sardines. I use mackerel instead, but I use mackerel in oil. And if I find anything, okay, I want to get into day five, uh, but I will just have some um, mackerel in oil uh, and it's, it's super boosted your ketones through that and it gives you the just enough satiety of that protein oil mix to, to move on through, especially when you have a small amount of, of food. But these are kind of like the easy hacks that we can do in life and they make a great deal of difference. And fasting, it's the, or the autophagy that comes on in that and the apoptosis is, is where the game gets played. Hey, so do you think I would have any kind of benefit by trying to push my fast farther than what I am right now because I I don't take it to the point where it takes any control or anything like that as soon as I feel hungry I eat should I try to push that farther no not it's, it's what I, I, I certainly wouldn't I think that there, there is from some of the science that I've read and Jeff coming in that they're kind of like these diminishing returns after three three days and the question is, is why are you fasting is it because you're looking to using, using fasting as a technique for weight loss obviously with you i don't think it is given where you are uh, so i think with right no here it, you know it's just that apoptosis thing and you got like if you go to the point where you are comfortable you know if you're already being able to do three days you're doing fantastic that's just like excellent some people have difficulty doing the, the 24 hours and that's where the work needs to be done where you train up your fasting muscles. Okay, well, I sure appreciate all the information. I guess I will just keep doing what I'm doing and see where I am in another year. There you go. Yeah, you've done amazing. You've done amazing. <laughs> you should be so proud of yourself. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, good stuff. Um, hey, Dorian, I have to ask you, I, I, I like both sardines and mackerel, but I really like mackerel. Have you tried the mackerel from Patagonia? 
I have not. I, what stuff that we get is usually from um, Portuguese. Has a little bit of paprika in the um, uh, in the oil that is in there, but I haven't tried that. I had that for the for the list that is on that one. Yeah, so check out our site, letstruck.com. We have a company called Patagonia Provisions. Um, we've oh. got three mackerels. We have a smoked mackerel, which is just incredible, a roasted garlic mackerel, a lemon caper, and like you just said, there's a Spanish paprika mackerel, which is just amazing. Then they have some really, really good spice blends too, uh, just original spice blends. Um, they have a chimichurri spice blend that I use all the time. So check them out. You will love these uh, these mackerel. Really clean. Yeah. Now, I want to be very clear. When growing up, I did not like fish at all. So to me, this is it's not. I've kind of like tried to train myself to like fish. And you know, from this, I love um, mackerel in oil as in like an afternoon snack. It's really easy to do. I just Cut it with a spoon, even like that, because I want to get the, all of the lovely oil in at the same time. So it's great. And obviously, it's the perfect travel food, isn't it? You're going along. You know, shelf stable is exactly what you need. Absolutely. Do you want to, uh, you want to really kick up the nutrition? Not that it doesn't have a ton of nutrition already. Um, if you really want to kick up the nutrition on that, Take and and you can buy in a can as well, shelf stable and all of that. Cod livers packed in cod liver oil, and you would be surprised at how mild it is. It's like a very very mild tuna flavor. the The texture of them is really weird. So I I, I don't want to freak people out, but when I describe what cod livers are like, if you were to just eat them straight. The best description I can come up with is it's like tuna pudding. And that just freaks people out. And I get it. Tuna <laughs> pudding does not sound appetizing. So, and I can eat them straight. Like I say, they're so mild. They're like soft and creamy. But if you just mash them into mackerel or tuna or other fish that you're eating like that, they disappear. And they are off the charts in omega-3 and other nutrients. Yeah. You know, and just on, on sardines and, 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 and mackerel, you know, the beauty of those fish is they are low down on the food chain. So they do not have accumulated um, toxins that we see in, in other fish. Um, so you're not going to get any levels of mercury and things like that. That's why they are the best fish um, to, to eat. Absolutely. You know, the other thing I don't think we talk about enough when it comes to seafood, like oysters. Um, I love oysters. They're very nutritious. Um, a lot of times in this case, when we're eating seafood, many times we're eating the whole animal. Like in this case, sure, they cleaned out the little fish a little bit, but you've got skin on bones in and you eat all of that same with an oyster when we eat an oyster we're eating the whole animal you know we talk about nose to tail and and seafood is one of the easier ways to eat nose to tail yeah i mean one of my favorite book was um uh, about the oyster it's called it's called history on the harsh shell and it was all about the story of new york city um uh, oysters and the oysters used to be super super 
stupid deep because they were a plentiful uh, animal, but right. we basically polluted our rivers in history. Um, we, um, it then became that it was harder to get. The travel distance came on in from the clean waters, but it's great now to see um, these being introduced. And I think that the oyster needs to be, I think more people need to eat oysters because oysters, they clean our bay. They make sure, they, they, they filter our, our water and, and our, our sea. And I think the more that we can bring these beautiful um, animals back on the end, the better our seashores will. So, you know, I'm a big fan of Hog Island oysters and Kumamoto's and Prince Edward Island, UEIs, you know, because I know that these, these regions and we're helping um, uh, communities um, that need, need, need to have these livelihoods. So I'm like, eat more oysters, go for it. I couldn't agree more. They're they're loaded with minerals and uh, a lot of trace stuff that's hard to get. So uh, I, I'm a big fan of oysters. I've eaten them all over the country, and I'm in the part of the country that I think has the best oysters right now, the Pacific Northwest. So I'm a fan, that's for sure. Let's uh, let's grab a call here. Let's go to North Carolina. John, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. Hi, y'all. How you doing? Good. What's on your mind today? Uh, real quick, Kevin, I know you've talked years about sleep issues, and I am fortunate I don't have any. I'll sleep uh, five to eight hours a night, and I've got energy all day long. But just real quick before I get to my question, just kind of my day, a normal day. I, I'm up at 4.35 in the morning. I'll have my coffee with a mushroom creamer and butter. And then when I get to work between 7 and 7.30, I'll have a can of sardines and mackerel every morning. And then I'll eat again probably around 11 uh, meat. I'm pretty much carnivore, a little vegetables and maybe some strawberries and pineapple here and there. And then I'll eat again between 3.30 and 5. And like I said, I haven't had sleep issues. I'm very fortunate with that. Uh, but I was wondering... Kevin, like in your case, if they could do some kind of sleep study, obviously in our own environment, but somebody like myself and somebody like you monitoring, monitoring all your vitals everything through the night to do a comparison, uh, basically on, on everything that goes on in the middle of the night. You know, I, I, I've done that. I, I've been doing it for years and there's, there's just no clear patterns and what we think we know about sleep doesn't seem to hold true when you really start to study it. Uh-huh. Something I, I can't figure out uh, why why these sleep trackers, and I'm actually going to, um, I, I've reached out to Garmin. I want to talk to their, their data scientist about this and, and how they're tracking certain things and, and learn more about that because it seems to me like if there's one part of sleep, these trackers should have no trouble tracking and they should all be consistent. It's REM sleep. REM sleep is very unique. It's rapid eye movement. It's when we are dreaming uh, or at least when we remember our dreams, that tends to happen when we're in REM sleep. But in REM sleep, your body is completely paralyzed. It can't move. It doesn't move. I don't understand why we can't track that better. 
And yet we don't track it well because I can wear four different tracking devices and have another one next to my bed and I'll get five different numbers on REM. And I don't understand that that one seems to me like that one should be really easy to figure out. Um, I've had sleep trackers that will tell me I'm asleep when I'm reading. That's how inaccurate they are. How does it not know the difference between me reading and me sleeping? So the the tracking, I've done a lot of it. You can learn a couple things here and there. It's not very accurate. I don't think we understand sleep. I, I, I've, I've read everything I can get my hands on and there's nothing new. How much do you think it is in the mind, obviously, or the environment? You know, obviously you've looked at that. I mean, I would think the environment maybe would have a bigger impact. Obviously, if your mind's going stress, what have you. You know, here's one of the things I find it, people, a lot of people have sleep issues. I, I believe that it is our lifestyle that it's not even diet. Yeah. Diet can help a little bit, but Dorian, you mentioned lighting. Lighting is horrible and it's getting worse. Our stress levels are through the roof. All of those things, I believe, are what really have the biggest impact on sleep. And we're not finding Agreed. easy ways in today's society, you you have to do some pretty extreme stuff to get away from the schedules and the lights and the stress. It, it works. I, I have proven that I can improve my sleep. I know how. What's hard is living a, a busy life with a business and, and all the other things going on and doing all the things I need to do during the day so I can get a good night's sleep. It, it is our lifestyle that gets in the way. I'd like to address the life, lifestyle piece is my two best nights of sleep are, I happen in Helsinki in Finland and in Utrecht in the Netherlands. What's different about my life is I'm, I'm traveling at that moment. You know what? I do sauna and cold plunge uh, because, and it's amazing that after doing that and that the lifestyle, I've changed the way that I'm, I'm not, like you said, I'm not having that stress of my daily life of work. And I'm almost a little bit in, in vacation mode yeah. because I'm usually at them after a conference or something. Um, sauna and cold plunge is amazing for your sleep values. Couldn't agree more. That was part of the testing we no. did. And it's, it's part of our stress protocol, both cold and hot exposure. But it, it is one of the things that will really improve sleep. Yeah. Yeah. Kevin, the one thing, too, that's weird is that I can read on my iPad or watch a movie in the dark in my bed and turn it off and go right to sleep. But one thing I have noticed years ago, 20, 30 years, when I was in a corporate career and I had more, probably like you, a mental stress through the day and all the deadlines and all the things I had to meet, if I had any sleep issues, that would be it because my mind would never shut down. Now, semi-retired, I roast coffee, I have no stress, but I have a lot of physical activity and I just, I'm ready to go to sleep and I go to sleep, but I have energy all the way up until the time I go to bed. I don't yawn during the day, nothing. It's just weird. Well, I mean, the, the all day energy levels that you get from a low carbohydrate diet are unsurpassed because especially if you're getting a long time, you've basically um, changed your mitochondria, which is the, you know, just the battery cell, uh, just the battery of the cell, if you, if you think of it in that respect. 
And so you, you also clean a burning and you don't have any of the um, a massive reduction in inflammation and, and, uh, and antioxidants and free radicals. So, you know, the different that a low-carb diet can actually make to give people energy is, is amazing. I, I wow. totally agree with you. I actually use keto as a, as, a, as a strategy when I had to negotiate with my um, manufacturers in Taiwan. And I would always position the hard negotiations for the um, afternoon after they'd had a carb-laden lunch and when they were tired and they wanted to have a cigarette, uh, I would just keep them at the negotiation table because I knew my ketones were like at their zenith and that was how I would cave them in and try and get it. So you can sometimes use this biohack to your, to your favor. <laughs> yeah, I, Dorian, I agree. I agree. I've, I've said that forever that that's how I use keto. You know, if I have a conference I'm going to go speak at, if I have an event, uh, long days. I, I just get more strict on my diet. And I have found that I can make up for a lack of sleep that way as well. I, and I can still have very high energy levels all throughout the day on poor sleep by having a really clean diet. But the really clean diet doesn't necessarily fix the sleep itself. Um, but it can it can help that you can still have a very productive day after a bad night of sleep. In some ways, I really believe that keto shortened my sleep cycle pretty dramatically. And and I think that a lot of it has to do with all the energy I always have. You know, it, it's hard to go to sleep when you're running around full of energy. That's an interesting point. Yeah, definitely. Because, you know, that might, and that's why some people might be, have sort of sleep cycles, but still feel, feel good about it. Yeah, I've I've ask, seen ask any mom about sleep. Ask any any mother about sleep cycle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, early on, um, you know, Dave Asprey went through this and said that you know if he was really really strict on his diet and some other things, he was only sleeping four or five hours a night. But he said he felt better than ever. So that whole idea that we need eight hours or nine hours or whatever random number they come up with, it, it just doesn't work where there's too many other factors. It's like a lot of things. It's like uh, every time we try to put this this standardized number on something, we almost always screw it up. The whole hydration thing, drink this much water. None of that stuff makes any sense. And I think sleep is the same way. Yeah. Bioindividuality is key. And finding what works right for, uh, as an individual, what works right for you is not, it, it is, you know, not everything is going to work for the same for everybody else. And as you tr- use your trial and error to find that pathway, that pathway that gives you, uh, enriches your soul and addressing the entire terrain around the individual becomes very important. I have to really like Dr. Nash's, um, Winter, uh, Dr. Tanisha Winter's, um, Ultimate Vote Train Institute of Health. Um, I, I do love her book because she, she tries to address many of the different aspects uh, around an individual, not just the food, um, looking at the person's sleep patterns, removing the toxins from, from their lives, making sure they're getting the circadian rhythm that that's in there, and realizing that, you know, there are times where we all slip up, even those who've been doing it for years and supposed to know like that. And then when you have to find, like, put your own resets in place and put your own uh, aspects of, you know, the, the carbon rods to the nuclear reactor. And, and, you know, 
and I've been doing this since 2015, and you know, and it's still I need to be better at it personally myself. Um, but then you're running a company and you're in 36 countries, it becomes still becomes very hard. There's, like you talk about the stresses of the normal life, you know, uh, this is very hard for people to make these changes. It's, it's finding finding the moments in the day that you think, okay, I'm just going to stop and make the tiniest of adjustments can make a massive difference over a long time. Yep. I agree. All right. Uh, we are going to wrap this up today. Anybody have anything they want to close with? I'm going to just close with Jess. Um, uh, we're wishing you all the best for the birth of your second child next week. It's going to be fantastic. Oh, I, thank you. I really appreciate it. I agree. Yes. Thank you. We really appreciate you having us on. And we, we love talking. I obviously am very passionate about talking about ketogenic diet and, you know, overall metabolic health. And we really appreciate you having us on for this series. And hopefully your listeners have gained some great information and um, we just really appreciate it. Excellent. Thanks so much. We, we appreciate the, the partnership and all the knowledge and uh, support you bring in the, the great products as well. So uh, Lauren, anything? Um, just to remind everyone today at 3 p.m. Eastern time to join me for a live after hours. Um, we're going to be talking about intermittent fasting. Very hey. apropos. <laughs> Perfect. Fantastic. All right. Uh, we're wrapping this up. Thanks again. We will see you back here tomorrow for a free for all. Uh, not sure what's going on Friday yet. We'll let you know as soon as we've got the schedule updated. Be safe, be profitable, be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey.